This is Profiles in Risk. Hosted by Nick Lamparelli. Every week, we interview those who risk life, limb, fortunes, career, and reputation, and those who work behind the scenes who look to protect and enlighten us about risk. You can find the show notes and other insurance-related content at insnerds.com. That's I-N-S-N-E-R-D-S dot com. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Profiles in Risk. I am your host, Nick Lamparelli. On uh, a blustery Saturday here in New England, so cold that uh, I couldn't even go hiking this morning. My kid just went outside and came right back in. Uh, I am very pleased to have a good friend of mine, Pankaj Parashar. Uh, He is the founder of Purple Ant. Purple Ant, awesome name. We're going to get into that. Helps personal lines carriers increase renewals and improve loss prevention by leveraging IoT and AI technologies. They provide an end-to-end solution, uh, including devices, mobile apps, cloud platform to support insurer-insured interactions. Pankaj, is it cold in Chicago? Oh, are you kidding me? It's warm and sunny. You should just uh, come out here. You might want to just have venture outside and, you know, half pants. Yeah, in the winter. Uh, I actually, just... I, I, I was just going to say, it's funny that last week, Nick, it was uh, minus 50 with a wind chill, and it was colder than Antarctica, Siberia, all the places, including the planet Mars, right? Yeah. In fact, yeah. I, I and I felt like sending a message to Elon Musk uh, to say, listen, your SpaceX is asking for $200,000 to go to Mars. Forget that, right? Just come to Chicago. It's way cheaper. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, we make fun of the weather here all the time, it is, uh, but it is home. Yeah. Uh, I was actually thinking while during, during the drive to go hiking, We've actually had New England. We haven't had that bad of a winter. Like not a lot of snow. It's been cold. Instead of snow, we've gotten rain. I mean, it's not like it's wonderful, but it hasn't been like hundred inches of snow type of thing that we we traditionally get. So could be worse. I'm knocking on wood right now. We still have a long ways to go for winter, but uh, I can't think of a better way to spend uh, Saturday while while my kids sleeping to have this conversation with you and about Purple Ant. So let me kick it right off. Purple Ant, in your own words. Our vision, Nick, is simply to create stickiness for the carriers in the property insurance space. We think that for too long, uh, the lack of stickiness is is a a problem. And and it seems to me that price is the only factor that seems to matter. In fact, I just feel that the insured, the homeowners, you know, the moment they get a, a price rebate somewhere, they just switch carriers like that. And I think I just feel that carriers for the first time in a long time have this opportunity through IoT to change that, right? To create that stickiness. So that was the moment that I had, which actually was, you know, from a conversation with a, with my carrier that made me think, you know, why are these guys pushing this auto telematic device and why are they not giving me a home telematic device? I would love it uh, for the safety and protection. So it kind of went from there. Uh, but like I said, I, I, our vision is, in, is absolutely to create that stickiness uh, for the for the insurance industry. Yes. Yeah, so beyond stickiness, there are a lot of other advantages, right? It, 
that's the whole point, right? It, you're, there's a lot of value that can be generated from IoT, AI, you know, the, the, the combination of these devices. Can you talk a little bit about, for the insurer, let's, uh, let's gear the audience for those, those that are listening that might be working for insurer the benefits of having these types of devices beyond just the stickiness. And we'll go into that a little bit more as well. Right. I mean, if I were to sort of look at the um, levers that what we're offering uh, is doing for the carriers, it's, 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 it's at two fronts. One is the effectiveness lever, lever that I call it, right? The effectiveness because IoT and AI for, you know, allow them to essentially improve their marketing, pricing, uh, you know, improve that cons- uh, customer engagement angle with the uh, with the end customer. So that's that. How do I make the carrier more effective, right? So IoT and AI is a new way to impact that lever. The second is the efficiency lever. Like right? carriers are always looking to improve their loss ratios. If you look at all these new technologies, whether that's RPA or uh, AI, you know, all of those are meant to essentially improve the efficiency. So you know, what we're doing impacts that too. But there is a third element of, uh, of, of a benefit angle, uh, Nick, that, that, you know, we really believe in, and which is the building a recommendation system for these insurance. You know, what do I mean by that? So usually what we do, or what a lot of projects do is give a, give a lot of data. Now, the data by itself makes no sense, right? Unless you apply some analytics into it, then it becomes information. We apply AI on top of that to figure out what the actionable insight is, right? And that's what we're hoping to deliver to the carriers, that we will build a system for you that will tell you what to do, right? Actionable insight. Let me give you an example, right, uh, instead of uh, a theory here. Let's say we've, we've, we've put in these water leak sensors inside a home, uh, and, we're, and, and we're now seeing that there are a lot of leaks coming for, let's say, the kitchen water pipe. Right. And now that's data. There's like Mm -hmm. seven or eight leaks that have happened over the past few hours. And then you start to apply some analytics into it and say, oh, you know what? There is a good chance because the leaks have happened so often, so frequently, maybe there is a problem there. So you should actually do something about it. So that's when the actionable insight gets into, hey, let's go back, communicate to this homeowner and say, listen, you have a problem in this water pipe, do something about it. With the AI models, now you can look at that property and go, well, this was built 25 years ago by this builder, and we've got three other customers in this subdivision. Well, now you can proactively go and let uh, factor that in and either communicate to them and say, listen, you might want to check out this water pipe because there is a chance that it might go bad. Or you can factor it within your market, you know, within your underwriting and pricing so that if you get three uh, homeowners in that subdivision, you can, you know, you, you can factor that in. So what I'm saying is that it's literally the next element of, you know, I call it the evolution of, of what, what technology is doing, uh, making, you know, putting a lot of science. So instead of people in the company spending time figuring out where do I get answers to these questions, you now have a system that tells you what the answer is. I don't know if that, that helps you understand, yeah, but we feel much. that that's yeah, really a big benefit to, to the carriers. Yeah, yeah, very much. So tele- telematics has been around for a while now. It's not commonplace, but, you know, I think the, the model has been, you know, the, the model has been cast. There are some carriers that almost entirely use telematics. What has been the holdup on the other personal lines, specifically homeowners, 
uh, but it, but it can be commercial as as well. What's what's the holdup? What's preventing this from taking hold? Um, in you, you know the the devices are there, the the AI is being built. So what's holding this up? Yeah, actually, when we when we started the company a few months back, that was the first time we did. We uh, we went to a bunch of carriers and asked them, you know, why are they not rolling this out, right? Because you've done pilots, some are already continuing to do pilots, but it hasn't become mainstream. And the feedback that we got was that it, the industry is kind of stuck uh, because of two concerns. The first one is user adoption. A lot of the times, uh, you know, carriers will provide these devices to the homeowner for free, uh, but they find that homeowners are not really activating them, which makes sense. Nick, when was the last time somebody sent you and I a freebie and we, you know, absolutely wanted to play with it right away, right? If you don't, if you don't want something, even if you get it. You're not, you're not, you're not going to try to use it. So we said, all right, we get that, right? You've got to make this, you've got to provide an incentive for the homeowner to actually uh, activate this. And you've got to also make it super easy, right? You can't, you, you've got demographics of all kinds. There are people who are tech savvy, there are people who are not tech savvy, right? So depending upon the demographic, we kind of thought about how do we, you know, how can we make this easier? The second problem I think that they're running into is the ROI problem, which is a bigger problem. These things cost money, right? A lot of the times when we got into it and we started doing the calculations and putting the spreadsheets together, we found that the carriers were actually spending more money on the mousetrap than the um, than the premium that they were collecting, you know, to save it. Which you know is, I'm sure somebody with a P&L checkbook in a, in a, in, a, in the carrier says, "Man, we've tried this long, but until you get this, that's right. I'm not gonna execute it, right?" Yeah. So we said, "All right." Our business model needs to start from here. We need to be able to solve for these two concerns because you know what came out positive in that interaction in those pilots was the customer engagement. For the first time in so long, outside of the buying and renewing and a claims event, there was a customer in, in, uh, engagement opportunity. And guess what? It's a positive engagement opportunity, right? You're telling a customer, hey, Mr. Customer, you're either going to get a, a, a leak or it is happening right now. Please take care of it. None of us want a claim. If that homeowner is not inside the property, they're vacationing, they're somewhere else, well, guess what? There's a peace of mind element to it as well. So I think those were the, those were the, that was a positive. And we felt that that customer engagement is what is really one element of the stickiness that they were going after, but we got to solve for this ROI and user adoption problem. So we looked at the, those as the means to to the end being that improved, you know, customer engagement model. Yeah. But you were able to show the stickiness. So absolutely, you know that exists. Now you just have to solve for the the financing, the aspect of of the device itself. Absolutely. I mean, the stickiness element is is, is I mean, the customer engagement we think also has an it, you know, it, it, it can be improved a little bit more, right? The positive interactions. And again, the user adoption is actually a key to it, right? How easy are you going to make these people kind of, you know, use these devices, right? That's one aspect to it. But but ROI, we feel amongst all these three elements was, was the one that we kind of focused on. We leveraged our managed services model. So the world that I come from, Nick, I've, you know, we've kind of done the managed services model for the insurance industry in different other technology solution areas, right? So we said, all right, there's a proven model. Why are we not leveraging that to solve this problem? All right, let's see how the numbers look like. And and we finally made it work. So our, we, our starting point with any carrier conversation is let's figure out 
what is the financial construct that makes sense for what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. For a carrier that's, you know, debating this, they're contemplating some uh, device, IoT, AI strategy. How would you advise them um, as they contemplate this? Some of the things that they should be thinking about and deliberating about as they decide whether or not to do it and how to roll it out. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so from a Purple Land perspective, you know, we we envisioned the engagement model with these carriers to be threefold, right? Step one is, you know, we call it the design thinking process, which is very critical. Trying to help working with a carrier think through what is it that you're trying to achieve? Is it one of those effectiveness levels? Is it one of those efficiency levels? Is it a combination, right? What are the ratios that are relevant in your business? What are the demographics and the geographies, especially that you would want to target, which would make sense? So we've got the, so this is our consulting background coming in and saying, listen, we've got to do that. We've got to figure out the why really up, why first really nicely. So once we know what is it that we're trying to do, you know, phase two, we then look at deploying the, uh, you know, the hardware, uh, uh, the, the devices, the software, the cloud, figure out the nuances to the customer engagement experience that we want to provide and test it out in a, I, I'm going to call it a controlled environment, right, or a pilot. In, in some state, which says that, okay, here's the kind of experience that we would want the homeowners and the insurers to have uh, uh, based on these ROI numbers that, that we want to achieve, right? And finally, rolling it out. The one thing that I think the, uh, the holdup, I think, I, think, I think the technology agnosticity has been, is, is one of the cornerstone of what, what we, what we, what we bring in uh, next. And technology agnosticity is, is really important because I think the, the pace of the technology is changing so fast. There's newer technologies coming in, newer ecosystems coming in with Samsung's ecosystem, you know, Amazon's ecosystem and Google's ecosystem. And I think putting a stake and picking one of them at this stage, you know, does not make sense for us, right? We think that we need to be able to be technology agnostic so that you can uh, pick the one that suits the needs because it's not a one-size-fits-all. In fact, I feel that in, in, in the insurance industry, that never works. The one-size-fits-all never works, even if it is, uh, you know, it could, and it could be anything. And I've seen that two carriers, same business lines, you're trying to use the same technology, but they will just do it differently, right? That is a secret sauce. Everybody does the same thing differently. So we said that we've got to factor that in, in our approach and adapt that into our business model. And technology agnosticity, the managed services model, allows us to do that. In carriers, insurance, the insurance industry is uh, very well known for being risk averse. So you know there are going to be carriers that say, well, it's too risky, we'll, you know, let's, let's see how it plays out, let's see how others do it, you know, they'll, they'll use the term, we'll just be a fast follower. Can you, talk right. about, can you talk about the advantages of doing this now, not delaying, and, and, and what would be the disadvantages of delaying? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're at an interesting point in the, in the evolution of, of technology and disruption, as we call it. See, most of the property carriers also have a auto line of business, right? And I, I'll put it this way. Auto book of business is under threat, right? Everybody knows that it's coming from tech providers, could be Amazon, Google, it could be the big three car companies, it could be the, the newer insurtechs who are going, you know, who are filing the papers and coming Te right at Tesla. the carriers. 
Absolutely. Tesla. Yeah. Hey, Tesla yeah. point of point of selling the vehicle yeah. as the insurance is bundled and you're done, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so people are looking at a shrinking book of business on the auto side. But guess what's going to happen? They're going to have to start focusing on the property book of business because like it or not, the regulations are there. The lenders still want you to carry the insurance, so that's not going anywhere. And carriers are going to be forced to look at how do I build, you know, you know, how do I increase my book of business? How do I make it more profitable? So both those effectiveness and efficiency levers kind of come to play, right? And IoT and AI are the perfect example of something that can absolutely provide you a positive outcome on both of these, right? So I think the the question I have for the carriers: How long are you going to wait uh, before you actually actively start seeing your book of business on the auto side to go down? Uh, the time is now, and and for those of the people who actually tried the pilots over the last two years and and have not yet come kind of taken in mainstream, the timing to actually figure out and take the next step and solve the problems where you're stuck now is. Is, is, is to do that right now and not two years down the line, not one year down the line, because somebody else is likely to go, look at this and go, yeah, you know what, this makes sense. I'm going to try it out. The other thing I was going to say is the way we've factored this our approach for the carriers, there is no upfront cost. So we've kind of looked at it and said, look, we're going to make it super easy, super less risky for you to try this out, right? And And so... That's kind of behind uh, the the Purpleland's uh, business model as well. Yeah, but th- that's actually my next question. Is um, I, I I could envision as part of the risk that hey, this it sounds risky. I'm going to have to upend my entire distribution technology backbone. You're saying that's not necessarily the case. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And that's where well, look at it this way. The upending this come from a couple of different areas, right? It could be from a cultural standpoint. It could be from an infrastructure standpoint. I think what we've done from an infrastructure standpoint is made it easy. We've kind of self-contained all aspects of what is needed for this thing to work, right? So we've got the devices, we've got the software, we've got the backend cloud, we've got the APIs for the for the carrier to get the data, the reports. So we kind of we're bringing all of those elements in. From a cultural standpoint, I do think there is a, I wouldn't say a massive change, but maybe a realignment, especially when it comes to the customer engagement model. Remember, all the carriers today are built on those three touch points, right? It's the uh, buying the policy, renewing the policy, and a claim event. And you know, claim, and all three, I would argue, in somewhat way, are, are, are not really positive experiences, right? Just the way how they're designed to be. So, because the moment you have the, uh, buying the policy or renewing the policy, especially people will look at, you know, comparing with and shopping outside if they don't like to see the, if they don't like the number that they see, the premium that they see, which is being quoted. So I think that the, uh, with the telematics, the, the positive experience customer engagement will need a little bit of a shift in how you think about engaging with the customers. And I think we've got some ideas around how to do that in terms of what those incentive models are, what could be some loyalty programs that you could bring in? Because anytime, you know, one of the things I wanted to say is that incentive doesn't always be in a rate change. That right? it's not a discount because then you have to wait and file for the rate change. There are other ways to actually get them, get them, get them exciting, and that's to do with the demographic to you know, of the policyholder as well. So, so that's what I would say is so. The good answer with this, I mean, long and short answer. The short answer is that uh, you actually. Uh, there is not much drastic change. It is it is fairly seamless. Yeah. 
there's so many types of devices now. I, I, I remember, uh, I, I think it was Bob Frady from Hazard Hub was posting something recently that uh, the largest uh, non-catastrophe, non-fire uh, set of claims is water damage inside the home. So like broken pipes, you know, washing machine hoses breaking, uh, that type of thing. So there, I know there are devices that, you know, will check for humidity, check for water, can even shut off the water valve. But those are fairly expensive compared to smart devices that do uh, fire, smoke. Um, and then there are devices that will, you know, um, alarms and doorbell cameras, yeah. for instance. It, does it make sense to have a scatter shot where the carrier offers all of that? Or do they pick and choose? How do, there's just so many different types of devices and so many different manufacturers. How do you how do you balance that uh, versus uh, trying to get the you know the efficiency, the appropriate loss ratios, and actually getting that benefit from it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question, Nick. I think the my short answer is that it's never a good idea to you know uh, tie everything to you know one one ecosystem, right? For example, Google with the Nest. Or, or if it is just one element which is fire, the way we look at it from a from a purple land perspective, and I'm going to go a little uh, philosophical uh, or uh, you know, professorial. Uh, yes, do, please is, do. Remember, remember Maslow's hierarchy, right? Yes. So, yeah. you know, so we we look at it as in in our world of of property insurance, uh, you know, at the, at the core of it is the safety element, right? The safety coming in from security fire and water, right? Those are the three yeah. elements from inside the home, right? And we are starting with water and fire simply because the security side has been taken over by the three-letter world called ADT. But it's super easy for us to just expand horizontally and add security, right? On top of this safety is the convenience aspect, right? the convenience aspect of like the nest temperature, which is, hey, I want to uh, in the night, my temperature should be X, Y, Z, right? I'm outside the home, it should be this. So we think that we can easily, you know, because of the managed services model, because of the way we are being technology agnostic at the core of our business model, we can go vertically up and offer these matters of convenience too for the carrier, should there be a need. And should there be an evolution of technology in that field, right? So if Amazon tomorrow just decides to be in the safety and convenience place, Great, I'm going to leverage them, right? So it's it's literally watching Samsung or or Alex, uh, you know, Google or Amazon playing these games out on the consumer electronics end. And I'm saying, listen, I'm not, I don't want to play in that, right? I want to offer an a, 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 an option to to the carriers as well as to the you know homeowners ultimately. And so let's figure out a way in which we can do the safety and convenience based on what's needed, right, and how it evolves. I want to I want to give you an uh, opportunity to dig yourself into a carrier because uh, I used to work at a carrier and knee jerk reaction is always uh, let's figure out how to do this ourselves okay versus outsourcing it I'm a fan of outsourcing so we'll just I'll, I'll just throw that out there so I want to give you the opportunity to explain to uh, folks that are decision makers at the carriers why they should consider outsourcing this. Talk about the trade-offs, trying to do that, do it themselves internally versus outsourcing the solution to someone like Purple Ant. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And Nick, I've also been a you know 
solution provider to the insurance. And I've seen this play out in different other capabilities too. And I look at it this way, any new capability, right? Whether it's uh, innovative new technology, if it's an innovative new process, has a cost and risk to it, right? The cost and risk of a new technology is high. An insurance company at the core of it is someone that wants to manage its risk. So then why would you not want to have someone like a purple ant come in, right? Prove this out to you, and then you can figure out at what point you want to scale it out to the enterprise, and maybe at that time you want to take it all over yourself or do it in a co-source manner. In fact, if you look at the adoption of new technologies and in insurance, that's how it began, right? So, so companies uh, always look to someone to bring that technology or the process in, and then they've kind of diverged, right? Some of them have said, you know what? That's never going to be core for us, so we'll always have an outsourced partner. There's some that have said, you know what, there's some aspects of this that I would want to hold, right? The knowledge has to remain with me, but sort of the execution of it has to be with somebody else. And so, so we're flexible with both. We do think that the thought leadership and the investment that we've made, not just in sort of how the uh, consumer and homeowners will look at it, but also just in the pure technology itself, right? What's available out there? What is the right answer for the property structure that you're covering at what cost point? Uh, we've done all that analysis, right? Why not take advantage of someone like Purple Land who brings that expertise to you and cuts short the time that's going to take you to get the answers uh, to the questions that, that are more relevant to you? Makes complete sense. Um, I, I just I think insurers should focus on what they do best. And the that they, why reinvent the wheel? You know, exactly. It just doesn't make any sense. I love this area so much. It just really fits with my uh, vision of the future of insurance, where I just feel like, you know, at some point, insurance will cease being that piece of paper. It'll become something more. And you talked about the stickiness factor. I can't even envision a time, like, a, like I'm thinking like a quarter of a century from now, where this type of thing is not like completely embedded in insurance. When people think about insurance, it's devices and these things that will make the risk management of our lives and our businesses much more effective. Um, I'm assuming you're going to agree with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think insurance is going through a fundamental transformation in many different ways, right? I mean, people have focused on the distribution side of it, right? And you and I can, talk for hours, I guess, on the different, you know, uh, the different ways in which that has evolved, right? Claims has also evolved in so many different ways, right, with, with the technology coming in. Uh, I feel personally that the underwriting space is is prime now because, you know, there are fewer probably people focused on that, but I think that also is having a ton of, and you yourself are, are doing something very innovative in that, you know, the flood insurance underwriting space. So I think that the the, the just the way the scope of of insurance being just hey I'm gonna assess the risk and I'm gonna execute based on you know what happens with the claim you know is gonna go away and it's gonna be much more holistic uh, uh, in in the future so I totally agree with you I mean I think you're in for an exciting time good news is that regulation stays so some people have to buy that product look at it this way we have a luxury that not a lot of other verticals have right people do need our product right now a lot of them have to take it because they have to take it and don't have to like it, but we can change that, right? That's what we're all about. We want to make it uh, a, a, a very positive uh, experience for them. We want to make it positive uh, you know, for the, for the carriers. Yeah, it, this is one of the few areas where, uh, in, theoretically, 
the insured and the insurer both have the same in alignment of interest. They, they both theoretically don't want the claim. Uh-huh. The history of insurance, the problem has been because the, the insured buys the coverage, their behavior changes. Sometimes they have yeah. more information, so they know they're going to get a payoff or they just, you know, they, you know, the morale hazard, they start to behave differently. This is the one thing that can really firmly tie that alignment of interest. It goes beyond the theoretical of, hey, I don't want to claim because it's a, from the insured's perspective, because it's a pain in the ass. From the insurer, they have to actually pay out, right? Uh, that has been solved with like deductibles and other things in the past. But this is the one piece of technology that truly uh, connects those two. And I think we're going to, it's going to circle all the way back to what you, where you started. It's the stickiness because I think initially it's, Hey, now we have this technological device that, Hey, if a fire goes off, we can alert the fire department faster. We can get you out of the house quicker um, even if you're not home, it'll warn you, oh, your water's leaking, it'll shut off the valve. So it'll do those kinds of things. But I think we're just scratching the surface. It, it reminds me of, um, I, I went to, uh, I saw a presentation from Metro Miles uh, CEO, and he was talking about how their app now tells you, hey, you need an oil change. Hey, uh, something's going, because it can plug into the diagnostics of the car. Hey, there's something wrong with the car. You need to do X. You need to bring it into a mechanic. So I feel like we're just scratching the surface of the alignment of interest and the stickiness factor. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's because for the first time, there is a win-win on an aligned outcome, right, which is preventing the claim, right? So for both, I mean, the example in, in our case that we say in the property is maybe one day this hub that we, you know, putting in could be connected to your water heater and other appliances. And to the carrier, if they want to be in that business, it could, you know, it, it, could, it could help reach out to those manufacturers and say, buddy, as, as well as to the homeowner and say, listen, your water heater is 15 years old, you know, needs to be replaced. And by the way, here's a couple of or three options that you might want to consider. I mean, you can just save the the uh, the ease of connectivity and then use that data itself and monetize in so many different ways that it's, 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 it's I think, a whole lot of possibilities. To be honest with you, I think we're just scratching the surface right now, Nick. I think that's the reason why they're projecting IoT to go from 7 billion devices to 72 billion devices in four years' time. Okay, so it is an explosion coming. And I think the key is to figure out the business use case of how to use this technology to the benefit, right? And I think that's where PowerPoint came in. We, we started solving for a problem and backed into how this technology can help us you know, solve that problem. So we feel yeah. really pumped that from a timing standpoint, this is, this is a great great opportunity. And of course, I can't let you leave without talking about the name Purple Ant. Uh, I think a lot of folks, they're going to hear it and they're going to say, oh, that's, uh, you know, some MBA branding consultant came up with, hey, throw a color with an insect that's going to stick. But there's actually a method to your madness. Do you want to talk about the origin of the name Purple Ant? I would. I would absolutely. I love to to, tell everyone about it. And it's not, believe it or not, it's not one story. It's not two stories. There are actually three stories behind how we named the company Purple Ant. So I'll go one by one and how they happened. So the first one was, um, I heard the story, um, uh, and it's on a video by one of the uh, one of the persons I consider as mentor to me. He was the CEO of my first organization, very charismatic guy. And he was talking about, he's big time into, you know, the 
the concept of startups and supporting the mentality that you've got to have a go to yourself, uh, you know, create something from scratch and create value for everyone, you know, in the in the process. And the story goes like this. There's two ants talking to each other, Nick. The first ant is telling the second ant, uh, you know, is asking them, what is your vision in life? And the second ant says that, hey, my vision is to be the richest ant uh, out there. The second guy says, hey, that's my vision. What is your vision? The first guy says, hey, my vision is to be the fastest ant. Man, these two guys are then high-fiving each other. Said, man, you want to be the fastest ant. I want to be the richest ant. That's great. In walks the third ant. The third ant, uh, you know, comes in and these two guys says, hey, buddy, what is your vision? You know, I want to be the richest. This guy with me wants to be the fastest. The third guy says, buddy, my vision is I don't want to be an ant anymore. I want to be a butterfly. I want to fly. <laughs> I don't know if I'll succeed. But, and, you know, I heard that story. And that was the moment I said, dude, this is me. I'm in 22 years of my life, Nick. I, you know, I felt that I was a fast, but I was an ant. I was a poor ant. I was a rich ant. I was a slow ant. And I said, that is me, right? This is my moment. I should absolutely get going. So that was the first story. The second one is that when I actually looked at the qualities of an ant, the five things, you know, the five qualities, and I completely, as a company, both me, my co-founder, we, you know, aligned to that. The first one is it's the only species that carries a weight, which is, I think, three times its body weight or five times its body weight. It's yeah. super strong, right, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So they, they do the impossible, right? AKA do the impossible. So that's first. Second is that they're, they believe in teamwork, right? They can do it themselves. They are always in a team, which is, is how we've also evolved. The third is they're organized, right? Uh, always you see them being organized. The fourth one, really good one, I love this one, is that they're frugal, right? You give them a piece of meat, put it in front of them, they eat a little bit, and then they'll carry the whole damn thing and store it for a rainy day, right? So great quality for a startup, especially. And finally, they get the job done, right? And, and I looked at this, so that's perfect. I have to have the word ant in my company name to remind me of all these five qualities that they stand for. But I guess the, the favorite story that I have and the most intimate story that I have is that it's actually also turns out to be a combination of uh, three letters from my wife, my daughters, and my son's first name. So purple ant comes from Purnima, Dimple, and Siddhant. There you go. I love it. That's awesome. That's a fantastic story. I, I, I know that you had described that. I'm going to try to summarize that on the show notes. So anyone that wants a rehash of that, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to get that on the show notes. Um, Actually, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a quick statistic on that. Very Sorry to interject. I wrote two blogs, uh, Nick, over the last few months. The first one was on the sort of the thought, thought leadership, right? You know, what, you know, the sort of the, here's the state of telematics, you know, the why, what, and the how. I think in two days, I got like 90 views or 100 views on, on, on social media. I wrote a blog called, why did we name the company Purple Ant? I got 1,200 views in two days. I mean, people, I think, relate to the personal story of, of every, especially of, of startups. And I think for me, it, it's out there, right? This is who I am. And that was an interesting statistic. I just wanted to you know, share that. Yeah. People love stories. You have to, you have to tie it to, it, it, it comes down to emotion. 
right? It's a, and that's for every product. You, you can, if you can tie your product to a feeling, you're so right. far beyond like just, just an yeah. ordinary product because people want to feel things. So you have a yeah. fantastic story. I would like to share that on the show notes. And uh, as my son begins waking up, I can hear him. This is perfect segue where uh, as we get to the end of the podcast, going to right. the more personal side, I, I, side of this, I always ask all my guests a couple of questions because I'm lazy. So I want to piggyback off of your wisdom. Uh, what tools or techniques um, do you use on a day-to-day -day basis to stay productive and or organized? I got to tell you, I, in this field, I'm also a student like yourself, uh, not the teacher. I'm also looking for answers from other people. But what I found is uh, there are three or four tools that I'll share with you which work for me. So on the personal side, in terms of note-taking, uh, I'm a Microsoft Surface tablet guy, so I use the OneNote, right? So OneNote is very helpful. You can simply tag. So if I've had this interesting meeting with a client, uh, I can easily just tag the, the client's name on that date, and you know, I know what, what notes to refer to. Uh, you've got Slack, uh, and uh, Google Keep is another one that both uh, me and my founder, we use extensively for collaboration uh, between us. Um, and, and I don't know if you heard of, uh, so Slack is pretty well known. I think you probably uh, use it as well. Uh, we use it at uh, Insnerds all the time. Uh, yeah. But Google Keep is something very interesting. It's like a to-do list which you can actively uh, collaborate on. Uh, but my personal favorite, I would say, is something called Google Momentum. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't. Google Momentum is something similar. You can kind of like your to-dos. But every day, and, and funny thing is my... My 12-year-old uh, configured my, my laptop with this. Every day you get a quote, okay? It's like a quote of the day that comes up. And I can tell you in my startup journey how much energized and how much motivated I've gotten reading these different, you know, quotes that, that come up from during the day. So, so that's another something that I've not seen a lot of people use, but uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, I'll add those to the show notes. And final question is, are there any books uh, that you have particularly found influential and in, it could be your business or personal lives? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think, I think there are two books and I'll, I'll just talk about the first one, which is on the business side, uh, there is a book uh, written called The Startup Checklist, uh, 25 Steps to a Scalable High Growth Business, written by a gentleman by the name of David Rose. In my last few months, Nick, when I started my startup journey, I, I was reading everything and anything on what makes a startup successful. You sort of learn from, you know, the feedback that others have given around what to do and what not to do. And I found David Rose is a pretty big guy in the Silicon Valley, and he wrote this book called The Checklist, and it's unbelievable. It's, it's literally not just the what to do, it's also the how to do. Okay, uh, and 25 things that you need to think about taking all the way from how should you think about incorporation to, you know, co-founders to hiring to uh, technology platform to the free tools available. I mean, it's just unbelievable. If I could uh, go back in time, I would probably read that, you know, first and I might undo a couple of things that, uh, that I did differently. So that is definitely the first book that I will recommend. Uh, if there's anybody out here who's thinking about making that jump, uh, I would say you're gonna you're gonna benefit a lot by reading this book and knowing uh, what to do. I think the 
The second book that I, I, I really is, is very close to my heart that I try to follow is this is a, is a book that we in, in the Hindu religion uh, are very proud of. It's called the Gita, right? The Gita, it's, uh, it's, it's essentially a set of uh, advice that uh, Lord Krishna had given to a warrior on a battlefield. But it's not just an advice to a warrior. It's about sort of the how should you live life. There's no nothing religious about it, believe it or not. It's about what are your duties and how it talks about focusing on the present, focusing on your actions, right? The result will come by itself. I mean, so many times, Nick, you and I know that. Right? We worry about, you know, something is going to happen. And if, I start to ask myself, what can you do to control that outcome now that you've done everything on your part? And answer is nothing. So then why worry, right? So I kind of, I'm reminded back to this book in those moments to say, listen, just focus on your action, what, you, what you've got to do. The rest is, rest is, rest is going to happen, right? So if you put in the hard work, you put in the talent, if your timing is right, and maybe you're lucky, you know, things will happen. Oh, I love it. I will put those up on the show notes as well. Pankaj, thanks so much for taking time out of your Saturday to uh, talk Purple Ant. And now I know that Chicago is a tropical destination. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Thank you, Nick. This awesome. was a pleasure. Yeah, this was a pleasure. Don't go take care of your son now. Yes. You, you he, don't want. <laughs> he was just humming. He just stopped. I have a feeling this was your alarm event to make sure that we're at the end of our conversation. <laughs> yeah, he... he uh, he wakes me up every morning humming, and then he uh, calls for me and asks me to help him hum. So I think he's going to be a singer like his like his mother. Uh, Pankaj Parashar has been our guest this week from Purple Ant. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you.